Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans, it is I, your host, Jason Rudy, coming to you today from the dark streets of Soho and from the lovely recording studio of Desperate Visions Productions, the Sacramento-based filmmaking company that I founded in 2007 and put out uh, about 12 films, two photography books, hundreds of photo shoots, uh, hundreds of paintings that I've done, and uh, many other artistic things. And I'm turning my, after taking a two-year break, uh, working full-time jobs, uh, taking a break again for about six months or so, and going back and trying to do a bunch of films, and uh, trying to live again and be the artistic person that I know I am and that I need to be. That is, of course, a inspiration from Mr. Jess Franco. So, another reason why I do this podcast. This one is episode 34, and film 34, we're in sync right now, so this is pretty cool. Try to keep it that way for a little while until people want to do other things, but we're trying to stay on track. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, Deadly Adventure of Soho. Uh, the American title, the German title is uh, Der Todenschracker von Soho. Uh, Deadly Adventure of Soho, West Germany and Spain, 1971. Original theatrical title, the second country of origin, of course, the Spanish title, El Moreto Has Le Moretes, The Corpse Packs His Bags. Alternative titles, um, Italian theatrical is called Scotland Yard Alert, Six six Murders with No Killer. Alarme Scotland Yard, Sei Omosidi Senzi Assassinino. Spanish video, El Morete Hizo La Maletes. Um, Death Avenger is also an export title for it. Um, and then, of course, the German shooting title, Death Avenger, Der Totschracker. Unconfirmed title, The Avenger UK TV. Because, um, yeah, they, there was reports that it played as The Avenger, like a takeoff of The Avengers. Uh, this is... Uh, Cooperative Phoenix Films out of Madrid, CCC Film Kunz out of Berlin, German Prints, um, Telecine Films, Berlin, Spanish Print, uh, 1972, CCC Film Kunz, Berlin, out of the German Prints. Theatrical Distributors, um, Alianza Cinematographa Español was the Madrid. They did the Spanish um, distribution. And on the Munich side, it was uh, Constantine, Constantine Film. Out of Munich. Shooting date, uh, let's see, February 4th to the 24th. Wow, they shot this in like 20 days. That's fucking crazy. That's a really good film, too. So, yeah, from February 4th to February 24th, 1971, 20 day shoot. Turned around and uh, eight months later had a festival screening in Stegis in October 2nd, 1972. That's awesome. That sounds like Franco. Then got the uh, certificate classified certificate in Germany on Halloween, October 31st, 1972, and played November 9th, 1972 in Germany. Then uh, later on in July 9th of 1973, it played Barcelona and played Madrid premiere, and uh, the premiere in Madrid was May 13th of 74, and finally played Rome, Italy, uh, July 3rd, 1975. Theatrical running times on these. Spanish, 81. West Germany, 81. They're both 
pretty much identical, except for the translations. Cast on this, uh, let's see, quite a few. Fred Williams, Inspector Robert Redford, which is funny. Um, he's different name on this one. Um, Elisa Montez, Helen Reeds. Horse Tappert, Charles Barton, also known as Bennett Reeds. Luis Morris, Andy Pickwick, photographer. Barbara Rutting, Celia, Flamenco Club hostess. Siegfried Schoenberg plays Dr. Blatmore, also known as Lord Crossdale. Mara Lasso plays Millie, Flamenco Club performer. Ava Gardner plays Lola, Redford's girlfriend. Rainier Bastow plays Sergeant McDowell. Moises Augusto Roca plays Roger, the Flamenco Club bouncer. He's really good, Augustus Roca. He's uh, always plays a heavy in the last few films. Angel Mendez, Redford's superior. Let's see, Angel Mendez, he's really good too. Um, yeah, he was, he was on that. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. <clears throat> and uh, Wolfgang Keiling, uh, second victim. Dan Von Housen, Black Mailer, Drug Courier, Glimmer Mendez, Mr. Woods, first victim. Jess Franco plays Mr. Gonzalez, the knife specialist. Uncredit. Andreas Manales, Patakis, also known as Poncho, the knife thrower. He's from um, Nightmares Come at Night and um, um, Eugenie. Uh, let's see. And then we have, of course, Benny Cardoso returning as Diana, Cronsdale's niece. She's a good part in this. She's a heel. Uh, Emilio Martinez Lazaro, hotel porter, and Carl Heinz Machkin plays a bespectacled diner at restaurant. Um, credits directed by Jess Franco, based on the novel Death Packs a Suitcase by Edgar Wallace, adaptation and screenplay Arthur Bronner as Art Byrne, and Jess Franco, director of photography Manuel Marino, again. Editors Maria Luisa Serrano for Spanish Prince and Renate Engelman for the German Prince. Art director Carl Meyerberg, Hans, okay, German, music. Music, David Kuhn for the Spanish Prince and uh, Hans Ergen Kainblock for the German Prince. So, yeah, I'm curious. I haven't, the German version is the one I've seen. I haven't seen the Spanish one. I'm curious how the music is on that one. Uh, Rolf Kohn is uh, Instal Music, Pablo Villa, let's see. Uh, Carl Heinz Munchkin, German Prince, producers, okay. Um, what else have we got here? Um, nothing too major on this, okay. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and jump to um, basically production notes. Three months after X312. So basically, X312 shot it, edited it, and then three months later, he shot this film. Um, Deadly Avenger of Soho, Death Packs His Bags. Um, it's an adaptation of a novel by Brian Edgar Wallace, which Arthur Bronner's CCC Film Kunz had already filmed once before in 1962 as uh, The Secret of the Black Suitcase. At that time, CCC were in direct competition with Rialto Films, a West German company who uh, were enjoying massive commercial success with a stream of creamies, a German-made crime thriller. <clears throat> based on the novel of British author Edgar Wallace, the first being Der Frosch mit der Mask in 1959. Unable to obtain rights to any of the Wallace novels, Vrauner and CCC took the clever step of buying the rights to work of Wallace's son, Brian Edward Wallace. As both men were prolific in the crime fiction field, it was a profitable gambit, and it helped that some of the son's works 
were almost as effective as the father's. By the time of Franco's adaptation, however, the cycle had just about ended. The creamy phenomenon is often said to have ended with Umberto Lindsay's Seven Bloodstained Orchids, a German-Italian co-production unofficially based on a story idea drawn from Wallace and Cornell Woolrich, released in Germany in June 72. However, despite being made earlier, uh, Deadly Avengers Soho didn't arrive in German cinemas until November 72, so one could argue Franco's was the last true example of the form, the creamy film, K-R-I-M-I, which is a precursor to uh, the Giallo films as well. <clears throat> Let's see. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, to the taking, of course, uh, notes, production dates, all the good stuff from Mr. Stephen Thrower's book, Murderous Passions, Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 1, available at all your favorite bookstores. Um, good book, still in print. Pick it up. It's amazing. It's the go-to book for just Franco knowledge, among the others. But yeah, this is this is the one. Um, so yeah, let's see. Um, he says basically, it's a very handsomely shot and reasonably entertaining detective story with good production values, solid cast, and plenty of visual inventiveness factors, which help to alleviate one's impatience with a tangled and obscurely motivated plot. Uh, there are quite a few puzzles and missing links. Um, yeah, kind of like with um, not X three twelve, but uh, Devil came from Akasava. Kind of the same way. It's it's just kind of like there's a lot of loose things that don't connect, um, and it goes too fast. You're kind of trying to keep up with all the stuff that's going down. So. Yeah, it's funny. I never put that together, but yeah, Deadly Avenger of Soho and Devil King from Oxava are very similar, but I would say Deadly Avenger of Soho is a better film. Um, let me think here. There's a couple things I wanted to see. Um, visually, this film is really, really good. Um, There are truly there are some truly lovely shots involving mirrored hallways, spiral staircases, ornate bastards, uh fluorescently illuminated nightclub tabletops, and a classic shot from underneath moment peering at two characters through a giant glass coffee table strewn with bottles and decanters. Add to this a constant barrage of wide angles, fisheye lenses, and deep focus, and you'll rarely see a more stylish and exuberantly mannered seventies crime thriller. Franco adds great luster to the visuals by using extreme lensing to grossly elongate and deepen spatial compositions such as the knife-throwing room at Scotland Yards or the classic Madam's Laboratory oh, I'm sorry, or the classic Madman's Laboratory of Lord Cronsdale with his bubbling vials and World War II electronic spares. And if a villain, especially that nasty brute Moises Augusto Roca, is going to stamp on someone's head, you can't beat having a wide-angle lens peer up from the ground level to give the moment a lovely friction of the old ultraviolence. In fact, the film uses visual uses visual stylization so relentlessly that it comes as a surprise to note that Franco shot this thing a whole six whole months before Kubrick's fish 
eye-tastic clockwork orange. The only thing that lets the film down visually is the use of a scram, a gauze filter over the lens for certain scenes. Yeah, it's funny, too. I talk about that later on with Eric. That's the thing that caught my eye. Like, that's, I don't know why he put that down, but he, yeah, he, he, I mean, why he uses that. But yeah, that scram, it's a gauze filter over the lens for certain scenes. Unfortunately, the focus puller miscalculated. We could see it for what it is. Okay, I was wondering why he did that. Because, yeah, it looks just like a fucking... Yeah, I'm curious. Okay. So, yeah, so, uh, so yes, if you dig the visuals, dig the visuals, but the fact is it's supposed to be a thriller can lead to thwarted expectations. Frank was still showing important new shoving new characters into the story four or five, five or ten minutes before the end. Um, yeah, I talked about that coming up, so I'll skip that. Um... Situation is only redeemed thanks to Hortz Tapper, who brings a sweaty, up-all-night instability to his portrayal of the complex and damaged Barton Reeds during the final standoff at Cronsdale Castle. Shot in long, gated tunnels with lots of wide-angle lensing, the film at last unites beautiful visuals with a well-crafted performance, showing with scant seconds to go what it's been lacking in the very attractive but persistently underdeveloped drama. Uh, yeah, Horse Tapper's really fucking good in this. And I, like I was saying before, I really like him. And uh, I'm going to check more films of his. But, uh, but yeah, he's, he's really good in this. Uh, Franco on screen. Franco plays Gonzalez, an expert knife thrower consulted by Scotland Yard, who advises them that the killer must be a true expert and says, I'd like to meet him. He may be a murderer to you, but he's an esteemed peer to me. He's uh, evidently still has the immoral Attila Tanner in his system from Eugenie. Um, let's see, cast and crew, Fred Williams, um, appeared in seven Franco films, and, uh, he's in this, um, Horse Tappard, Siegfried Chabel, uh, Emilio Mertiz Lazaro, here playing a nervous hotel porter with a distinct resemblance to Woody Allen. Uh, Lazaro went on to become a respected director of Spanish dramas and comedies, but at the time he was just starting out. In 73, he provided the script for Leon Kielmowski's The Dracula Saga, and in 76, co-wrote Pascal Duarte, a adaptation of the essential Spanish novel by Camilo José Celia. Um, Elise Montez makes the third of her three appearances for Franco, 99 Women, and Girl from Rio, being the others, playing the love interest for Fred Williams' Playboy Cop. Spaghetti Western mainstay Dan Von Housen, as a creepy Doug Courier in the pay of Lord Crosdale, makes the first of four appearances in Franco's film, excluding a couple of unfinished projects, the others being Night of the Skull, Tender and Perverse Emmanuel, and Kiss Me Killer. Carl Heinz Machkin can be seen at a dinner table in the scene where Williams and Montez dine out together. Um, music, Rolf Kuhn's music, Rolf Kuhn music here is brisk, exciting, occasionally chilling, and helps maintain the penny dreadful crime ambiance perfectly. Some elements would be recycled for the following Franco opus, La Vengeance del Dr. Mabuse. Locations. Although set in the parks and streets of central London and the back streets of London Soho, only a handful of establishing shots were genuinely filmed in the UK, as was the fashion with low-budget European films of that period. Shooting actually took place on location in Alicante, Barcelona, and Mur and Murcia, M-U-R-C-I-A. Uh, although the German side... 
although the German title translates as The Deadly Avenger of Soho, it's regrettable that London's premier red-light district plays no meaningful role in the story. There's not a strip joint or porno store in sight, unlike, say, Seven Murders for Scotland Yard, made the same year by Franco's contemporary, Jose Luis Madrid. Continental cars driving on the right side give the game away that we're probably not in London. The Santa Barbara Castle in Alicante doubles as the interior of a London church, with the addition of a few pews in the entrance hall. Twenty minutes later, it's also pressed into service as the cellar laboratory of the drug-dealing villains. That's cool. Check that out again. So the interior church... They changed it to the drug dealing. Okay, interesting. Uh, the grand interior of the Barton res- residence was filmed at La Grand Casino in Murica, uh, or Murcia, the exterior of which provided one of the locations for Count Dracula. So, yeah, the grand interior of the residence was filmed. Okay, okay interesting. Studios, uh, Studios Balsari, Barcelona. Connections, uh, based on the novel The Corpse Packs His Bags by Brian Edgar Wallace. The story was previously filmed as. Um, das Geinin has der Schwarzen Koffer, Corpse Packs is Black Bag. Um, Walter Klinger, 1962, also produced by author Bronner. Kraimi, C K R I M I, is a German term, short for either criminal roman, criminal novel, or criminal film, crime movie and can refer to any crime-related novel or film. An Agatha Christie novel would be a creamy. A film noir, a creamy. Sherlock Holmes story, they're creamies too. However, among movie buffs at least, the term is more closely associated with a series of German crime productions made by the Rialto and CCC film Kunz from the late 50s to the early 70s. Other versions, the Spanish and German versions are virtually identical except for the dubbing. Neither the English language export print nor the TV version, The Avenger, have so far turned up. Uh, According to film critic in the Italian version, lavishly retitled, the murders are designated as taking place every Saturday. Problematic. Horst Tavers' character is called Charles Barton in the English language dub. However, paperwork clearly visible on screen confusingly identifies him as James Barton. Um, <clears throat> press coverage in October '72, Franco took this film to the st- the Citiges S I T G E S Film Festival in Spain where it received a thumbs-up from Variety's festival reporter, who described it as a snappy, well-paced, though confusing, crime thriller. The review praised the film's quick intercutting, touches of wry humor, and okay acting, and concluded, though plenty of loose ends are left dangling, lively editing, odd camera angles, a pinch of sex, and okay technical credits make pick a marketable item for double billers. On its Spanish release nine months later, it received a few mildly appreciative notices, including one that declared Franco captures well the atmosphere of mystery, although he doesn't keep a steady hand. He knows how to use the resources of the genre and seems at ease within the intricacies of mystery where the unknown regions, where the unknown reigns. Another acknowledged, Jess Franco follows the genre's guidelines with some, with scenes and semi-shadows, 
film from angles that produce the desired effect of panic in the protagonist, or humor mixed in to make the film more entertaining. So, yeah, um, saying it's it's a cool idea. Um, I like the story of the cop who kind of gets framed by the drug thing and has a drug problem and basically fakes his own death and comes back and tries to kill the drug dealers. I think that was a really cool idea, and I do like that that idea and story. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a good film. Horse, Horse Tapper's really good in this. Um, but, yeah, so this um, episode 34, uh, film 34, um, and uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us at uh, Franco Observer, yahoo.com. Please download the episode and uh, subscribe. Helps the numbers out, all that good stuff that I tell you every week. Find us on Facebook, Franco Observer Podcast. You can find us at Instagram, Franco Observer Podcast. All the new pictures, uh, weekly updates, let you know when the episodes drop pretty much every Wednesday morning. But if you subscribe, you'll get them in your inbox and occasionally do the bonus episode every month as well. So get about five or six episodes a month. Maybe more, we'll see. But uh, I'm going to start rearing up productions on some films, so that might start slowing down. But yeah, we'll, we'll still do the one a week faux show. Uh, let's see what else we want to say before we go into this. I don't have a trailer for this, so we'll just go right into the review portion with uh, Eric and myself. Um, yeah, so usually do about a 20-minute thing. This is about my 20-minute t- time frame that I'm hitting today, so all is good. Um what else do you want to say? Yeah, this one is kind of hard to get in the USA. Um, I got a gray market copy through my Jess Franco dealer uh, to help my collection because I got all the Franco films. So, But yeah, I would like to see this one come out legit on Blu-ray in the United States. Um, you know, do an audio commentary. I'll do audio commentary for it, or even better, get uh, Stephen Thrower to do a commentary, and that would be awesome, so... All right, well, uh, listen more to the review portion with Eric and myself, and we talk about this film, all the good, bad, ugly, and all the good stuff on it. So listen ahead and enjoy. Hey, buddies. Welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. I am your host, your humble host, Jason Rudy from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento area filmmaking company that is poised to produce some new content for 2021 after having a small break. And uh, speaking of small breaks, we have on small break for us today, uh, Mr. Eric Whitwell on break from work. <laughs> Cheers, matey. Cheers, matey. <laughs> uh, and this is episode 34, and we watched film 34. We're trying to stay on that synchronicity track. And we uh, watched um, Der Todeshar von Soho, The Deadly Avenger of Soho. <laughs> Perfect. I know. I was waiting for you to slam me. Uh, I love it. Deadly Avenger Soho, also known as The Corpse Packs His Bags, which actually is more uh, telling than of The Deadly Avenger of Soho, considering it's in London and there's no Soho in the film, I think. So. It only showed like pictures of like Piccadilly Circus and... Big Ben. And, Big Ben. Yeah, yeah, I didn't show like Soho or that area. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. Um, so let's see. <clears throat> this is going to be like a really wordy synopsis because this is kind of a really wordy film. And this might be a really wordy episode. We'll see. So, yeah, off we go. Uh, synopsis. 
the mysterious knife-throwing killer who packs the bags of his victims has Scotland Yard baffled. There appears to be no connection between the victims and Inspector Robert Redford. Wow. That's what it says here? Hold on. Robert, wasn't it Rupert Redford? No, it was Robert Red, Redbird, I thought, or something. Here it says Inspector Robert Redford. Yeah, the okay, so I'm going to stop this real quick. Yeah, the version we watched was German. It was Robert, because I laughed because I made a remark about Robert Redford, yeah. but it was Robert Redbird or Robert Redford. No, I think Red. it was Rupert Redford. Yeah, it was, it was Rupert, Rupert Redford. Redford. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, but here's yeah, in the book, Fred Williams, Inspector Robert Redford. Wow. <laughs> so, no, Robert Redford's not in this fucking movie. Actually, that's fine. Okay. All right, back from the beginning. Synopsis. is A mysterious knife-throwing killer who packs the bags of his victims has Scotland Yards baffled. There appears to be no connection between the victims and Inspector Robert Redford is under pressure to solve the case or suffer the professional consequences. Press photographer Andy Pickwick contributes to the investigation, as does famous crime novelist Charles Barton. Suspicious falls on Dr. Blatmore who was present at one of the murder sites. Blatmore's secretary, Helen Reedus, discovers a drug called mescadarin, five times stronger than heroin, in her boss's bag. She tells Inspector Redford about the deceased husband, Bennett Reeds, an American FBI agent implicated in a drug scandal involving mescadarin, who died in mysterious circumstances four years ago. Could there be a connection between his death and the current murders? After Bennett died, Helen had received a call telling her to inform Bennett that he should visit a Dr. Blatmore in London. She decided to take a job with Blatmore to investigate. Meanwhile, Barton's investigation, with help from a blind organ grinder seen earlier wearing near one of the killings, leads him to the Flamingo Club, a front for drug running operation. Barton tries to help a young woman suffering a drug frenzy, but she throws herself from the window. The unseen female boss of the Flamingo gives the order to her deputies, Roger and Celia, for Barton to be eliminated. However, he survives and returns to put pressure on Celia. She tells him when the next drug consignment is due. Barton overpowers the driver and forces him to drive back to base. Cronsdale Castle Lord Cronsdale, a.k.a. Dr. Blatmore, and his niece Diana shadowy owner of the Flamingo Club, run a drug manufacturing business there. They cook up mescadera in a lab in the cellar and then sell it via the club. Looking at photos taken at Pickwick, Helen realizes that Charles Barton is in fact her husband, Bennett Reeds. After meeting with him, she tells Redford all she knows. At the castle, Diana tells Lord Cronsdale that his secretary, Helen, is in league with the police. Deciding that the operation is getting too risky in England, Cronsdale announces that he, Diana, Celia, and Roger will fly to Rio the following day. He orders Celia and Roger to abduct Helen and bring her back to the castle. Pickwick manages to follow them and phones Redford. At Cronsdale Castle, Bennett Reeds murders Diana, then places a suitcase in the hall. Realizing that he has murdered, realizing that he is marked for death, Cronsdale tries to escape, but is felled by a knife thrown by the organ grinder, who is in fact not blind at all, but a circus performer from Europe called Patakis, also known as Poncho, whom Reeds had been paying to commit the murders in return for 
a share of Cronsdale's wealth. Reeds, who faked his own death, had been posing at a British crime author to hunt down and murder Besculin dealers in revenge for his own addiction. Redford arrives at Cronsdale Castle and shoots Patax in the face. After Reeds kills the remaining gang members, Redford confronts him, but he refuses to surrender. The two men shoot at each other. Bennett Reeds is killed, and Redford leaves with Helen. Wow, I actually learned more about the film just reading that little yeah, bit I did there. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I did too, actually. Yeah, actually, a little bit like, okay, cool. So I didn't know that like the circus grinder guy wasn't yeah. blind, and he was the knife thrower. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I was like, okay, and I looked to his face. They showed him. Because remember, he had sunglasses in some scenes, and they were missing yeah. in others. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. I'm glad I read that. So. Yeah, I had no idea. So, Eric, what did you think of, uh, of the movie? Uh, I was um, I was very confused. Yeah. I, 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 it was really hard for me to follow. Um, but stylistically, artistically, incredible. Absolutely incredible. But, yeah, it was really kind of really hard, hard for me to follow. Yeah, his... Um, in uh, Murderous Passions, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 1, by Stephen Thrower. He writes in the review kind of what you just said. Amoretto um, Meletes is a very handsomely shot and reasonably entertaining detective story with good production values, solid cast, and plenty of visual inventiveness, factors which help to alleviate one's impatient with a tangled and obscurely motivated plot. There are quite a few puzzles and missing links, such as unhelpful mix-ups with the names used by key characters. Charles Barton in dialogue, James Barton on his passport and nameplate. It may not seem like much, but in a film like this, you never know how important such details could be. So it's frustrating to find it. it's an accident. Continuity, man. Oh, yeah. So much continuity, Harris. Um, let's see. For instance, quite... Why Lord Cronsdale, one of the landed gentry, is moonlighting as a drug-pushing GP. He has a secretary and patients and everything remains a mystery to me, even after three or four viewings. So yeah, like why was that old man, that's like this famous old guy that's totally wealthy and he's a famous doctor, why is he a drug pusher? Yeah. Like what's his, you know, like that's, I don't know, that's maybe small, I can kind of see that, but... um, it's also never explained how American drugs cop Bennett Reed has managed to pass himself off as Charles Barton, a well-known writer of crime novels, without anyone suspecting the truth, though I suppose it may have been easier to hoodwink people in the days before Google image search. It's clear from the dialogue that Barton, the novelist, really exists there are three of his books in Inspector Redford's apartment, yet it turns out the name Charles Barton was stolen from a deceased convict who died in the USA. Yeah, that yeah, I, yeah I didn't catch that so either. So who wrote those books? Yeah. Surely Bennett Reeds hasn't gone to the trouble of writing three crime novels just to create a false identity for himself. <laughs> if so, he's surprisingly successful in it. Apparently, one of them sold over three million copies. <laughs> <laughs> as far as the role played by Dan Von Heusen, he first pops up as a blackmailer who knows Barton's secret, then appears later as a drug courier for the villainous. A coincidence the script doesn't bother to elucidate. Yeah. And that's the guy that looks like me. Yeah, you know. that's the Jason guy. Yeah, there's the guy in the movie that looks no, like me, so it's funny. Yeah, it was so funny because, like, at that, it, yeah, at one part he's breaking into the guy's. You know, yeah, he says, passport. "Hey, I went to prison with this guy, and, yeah. and you're and you you don't look anything like him." Blah blah blah. And then later on, yeah, he's just like the courier. So why is he doing that as a side thing that had no connection? And they had seen each other before. Like he had broken trying to see that guy's passport. Yeah, they met before, and he 
Barton said, I'm going to kill you if you don't take off. Yeah, I don't know if it's supposed to be the same guy or a different guy. I mean, it's the same actor, but that's, that's yeah. interesting. Um, it says, uh, meanwhile, Partakes gives Barton a lead to the Flamingo Club, but when Barton arrives, the hostess, Cynthia, already knows him and treats him like a regular. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, all in that. all, in all, this is a... Yeah, because remember, she knows, hey, how you doing, blah, blah, yeah. He comes in, and it's like, that's so funny. All in all, this is a messy script that appears never to have been checked for inconsistencies, which is a shame because with very with a little more time sw- sweating the details, it would have worked really well. Um, yeah, it says this is a very uh, chaste scene for Franco. No lesbian scenes, no nudity, which there is a little bit of nudity. So there's nudity in pictures and uh, a rear nudity from one of the actresses, but very small. And no sleaze, a state of affairs seemingly alluded to by the characters of Pickwick, a photographer who keeps accidentally showing people sexy snaps <laughs> instead of the crime scene for photographs he's being paid for. Perhaps Franco felt constrained by the Edgar Wallace proprieties of the story and included this as a joke about suppressed desires. The film's more overt attempts at comedy, such as Pickwick's camp pers- persona, and the goon show, boing, the knives make as they hit the victims are yeah. pretty corny. But the real humor lies between the cracks of this film. The eccentric slyness of the production conveys a subtle wit of its own. Apparently, this was once shown on British TV as The Avenger. And although I haven't been able to verify that, it suggests that there is an English language print out there somewhere. The nod to The Avengers TV series is not altogether misplaced. The outburst of Baroque visuals, the shaggy dog plotting, the eccentric interested or sadistic minor characters all feel quite similar. All that's missing is a warm-up and spirited male-female relationship at the heart of the TV series. Um, yeah, this has been like another Franco's Red Lips film, very much so. Um, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, so yeah, I dig the visuals, but the fact is it's supposed to be a thriller can lead to thwarted expectations. Franco is still showing important new characters, is still shoving important new characters into the story five or ten minutes before the end. That is typical of his crime stories, which sprawl around willy-nilly. Let's see. So, yeah. um, Go over all that later on. So, yeah. So, um, talking about the visuals, what I liked about it is, to me, with the German uh, subject matter, of course, um, Spain and West German, and the um, Edgar Wallace, um, or or is this Edgar Wallace or his son? This is, uh, I think, his son. Let's see. No, by Edgar Wallace. Okay, so it's yeah, it's based on him. With that source material, I kind of caught the German expressionism of the of the shots, like Captain uh, Caligari, um, Nosferatu. Um, uh, what else I had written down? Um, Der Golem, like that type of stuff. Just those really long frames of where you're really far away, and it's almost like a fish angle type thing. He has a lot of cool stuff. Eric caught a lot of it. I caught a lot of it. Just the framing, shooting from under glass tables, through bent arms, uh, over shoulders, into mirrors. A lot of cool mirror shots on this. Um, And speaking of mirror shots, let's go ahead and hit this list real quick. All right. Okay, so this is a a list that when the movie started, I was like, oh shit, I don't think very much of the list. But there's certain scenes where he like hits a couple things at once. It was pretty funny. So like for instance, number one, body of water. We don't get a body of water until like maybe. Halfway of the movie, three quarters of the movie, something like that. Yeah, right around when they take the guy's body and dump him in the water, uh, the lead. Um, and so we see that, and of course, body of water. We have not a sailboat, but we have a boat. Um, palm trees, number four. No, I didn't see any palm trees. I didn't did you? Any palm trees, no. No jungle sound effects. Number five. Number six, chained up person. Not 
chained up but tied up so i will maybe go with that because yeah. she's tied up with um nylons nylons and set with gasoline or a kind of a, a butane kind of deal poured on her well, yeah it was a liquor bottle like he was just oh like, yeah yeah and he's gonna light her on fire yeah cool scene. um yeah very cool scene actually really intense um number seven dance scenes on stage stripping yes yes there's a cool scene where they go into that club that the, that i just spoke about and uh it's supposed to be a scene of a stage of just a bed with a curtain. It looked like it was just shot in a room. And then you see the from the bed angle, and it's everybody watching it in the crowd. And that's, of course, shot at different times. You know, the shoot one way, turn the camera, shoot the other type deal. Um, with everybody sitting in the club watching this thing where she uh, basically strips, but... She doesn't really strip, but she just kind of moves around and it's, crawls it's a on the sheer, bed. Yeah, it's a sheer thing that she's wearing. So and you can and see. you see her butt crack because yeah. that's that same lady. Yeah. He knows because she stands up and he sees her later. Uh, where are we at? Okay, number eight: club scenes, dancing. Yes, that's that club. There are people mm-hmm. dancing in the club together, which of course leads to number nine: jazz music. Yes, yes. there's some nice jazz music in this, along with the uh, crime type music they use for the majority of the film. Uh, number ten: um, excessive zooms. Not really on this uh, one, and actually out of focus shots, I didn't really no. catch a lot of that either. It was very odd. To, I didn't think about it till just now. The out of focus stuff was yeah. minimal, if any. I, I didn't catch any. But since he did good with the excessive zooms and out of focus thing, one thing on this is the fucking continuity drug me crazy. There's like scenes where they're chasing somebody, and you see the one guy, and it's like say eight o'clock at night out, and then you see the other person. And they're like two blocks ahead, and it's like midnight. It's just the time of night, is, or it's even like morning and then dark at night. It was like yeah. way bad, and we were laughing because it's just so, you know. And also, too, we caught uh, there's a scene where, uh, was it the Robert Redford guy or Horse Tavern's character is in the Robert car? Redford. Robert Redford picks up the gal, and uh, you see the cameraman, which might be Jess Franco, have to look at it because you only see like his eye and part of his mustache. It was a black mustache. It probably was Franco uh, in the back seat filming them, and you see him in the mirror of the car, and he's not supposed to be there because it's just supposed to be those two in the car. They don't imply there's somebody in the back seat, but sure enough, you see him in the back seat. And the guy doesn't have a mustache that's driving the car, so like when you all of a sudden see this guy with a goatee like sitting in the back seat, you're like, yeah, so he yeah. caught that really fast. Also, I just caught your stomach making really loud noise. Too. Oh, yeah, dude. It's, so it's that, going off yeah, today. That's the one. Uh, try to reference that each episode from now on. So. <laughs> it, it wants in on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to get in on the podcast. <laughs> no, you need to be quiet over there. I watched the movie, too. Yeah, goddammit. Let's see. Uh, that's like the Jess Franco bird voice, almost. The will could be the, the extra, you know, the director doing the other voice. Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, number 12, mirror shots. There's some very cool mirror shots. Yeah. There's a scene where... Uh, Barton's talking to Redford, and they're talking to each other, and there's like the big mirrors behind both of them. You can see the layers of the reflection of the mirror on top of the mirrors, and that was a really cool shot. There's about four or five mirror scenes in this film where you see it in the background, but that was the main one was that one. Um, Number 13, mind control theme. Not really. I mean, it could be controlled by drug maybe, but I don't know. That's kind of a reach, but whatever. Uh, 14, magic tongue scenes. No. No. Fifteen red light. Yes. yes, there's red lights in the uh, in the uh, photo lab, the um, the dark room, dark room scene. Yeah, yeah where he was developing film, and you caught it all. Red light. 
Uh, 16, of course, Sheepskin Masturbate. So that's a different series of films. 17, Mad Scientist. I'm going to say yes because there's a cool scene where in the end you see the lab where they make the drugs and like they have these vials and they have like this cool like square box that has like a it looks like a mad scientist machine which that machine would have nothing to do with making drugs like you think about it like what would how would that manufacture drugs i don't know maybe yeah i mean it's not eating the beakers, it's not a so. cook i mean you could have like an oven yeah. it's not an oven it's not a a distill a distillery of any kind yeah. it doesn't distill anything it doesn't bubble and it just flashes and has buttons and it's a total mad science <laughs> like a, it's like a frankenstein fucking machine yeah. you know so with that Mad scientist equipment got to be yeah, mad scientist, and and, and he was a mad scientist because he was a doctor. Yeah, and he that was his alias was Scientists he was, he was the mad scientist because he's like a good doctor by day, just like Edgar Wallace had that character a lot where it's like a kind doctor and then underneath he's a crime boss or he's yeah. a murderer or he's a child molester he's whatever his vices that's like his evil thing that's what he is. So yeah, so that's with this number eighteen fish tank shots. No, I didn't see that. 19, no talking parrots. That's more of a minute thing. But number 20, in credits, yes or no? Yes. yes. Yeah, in credits and beginning credits too, which is good. Um, but he's really good with beginning credits. But yeah, t- definitely in credits. Had the fucking lead's name. Had the actor's name above the credits, actually. It's a horse tapper and had his name and then had the fucking name of the film and then all the everybody else in it. Um, so yeah, speaking of horse tapper, yeah, he's Charles Barton, a.k.a. Bennett Reads, he's really good in this. Um, Fred Williams um, returns. Like uh, He did uh, seven Franco films, ranging from Count Dracula to the Jonas Sewer, which he plays the character... Oh, yeah, Roland, Sexiest Man Alive. Um, and he also is in two Fellini films, Juliet of the Spirits and The Ship Sailed On. And in 1977, had the unique distinction of appearing in both Red Knights of the Gestapo and A Bridge Too Far. That's cool two World War II films on the very end of the scales. Um, let's see. What else am I talking about? Uh, um, Elise Montez makes the third of her three appearances for Franco. She's a 99 Women and Girl from Rio playing the love interest of Fred Williams' Playboy Cop. So yeah, the gal that was kidnapped and stuff, she's yeah. in uh, Girl from Rio and 99 Women. Okay. Um, yeah, two you haven't seen, but yeah. we did. I did those episodes with other co-hosts on those ones. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We have um, Spaghetti Western mainstay Dan Von Heusen as a creepy drug courier in the pay of Lord Cronsdale makes their first of four appearances in Franco's films. So who's the creepy drug courier again? Oh, yeah, that that's was you. Me. That's, that's me. you. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. So that guy, okay. So that's the guy that he, it looks like me if you're, well, you always see what I look like. I always post my pictures. But yeah. So that guy is a Spaghetti Western actor. His name's Dan Von Heusen. I, I can got, see that. I got to look that guy up. But yeah, he's in four Franco films now. This is his first one. Uh, makes the first four appearances, excluding a couple of unfinished projects. The others being Night of the Skull, Tender and Perverse Emmanuel, and Kiss Me Killer. Awesome. Yeah, Franco did two Emmanuel movies, so that's, I'm oh. going to be watching those soon. Carl uh, High's Munchkin can be seen at a dinner table in the scene where Williams and Montez dine out together. Uh, Franco can be seen as Gonzalez, an expert knife thrower, consulted by Scotland Yards, who advises them that the killer must be a true expert. And he says, I'd like to meet him. He may be a murderer to you, but he's an esteemed peer to me. Franco also appears to be playing a passerby rubbernecking at the first murder site, although he keeps his back to the camera. Um, 
This is based on the novel The Corpse Packs His Bags by Brian Edgar Wallace. The story was previously filmed as uh, Das Geinheimes der Schwarzen Koffer, uh, Corpse Packs Black Bag, uh, also produced by Arthur Bronner. A creamy is a German term short for either criminal roman, crime novel, or criminal film, crime movie, and can refer to any crime-related novel or film. Uh, other versions, the Spanish and German versions, are virtually identical except for the dubbing. Neither the English-language export print or the TV version The Avenger has so far turned up. Uh, let's see. According to the Italian version... It's lavishly retitled Alarme e Scotland Assassino. The murders are designed as taking place every Saturday. Um, let's see. And problem one last thing. Horse Tabber's character is called Charles Barton in the English language dub. However, paperwork clearly visible on screen confusingly identifies him as James Barton. Um, it's it's kind of it's kind of a shame that um like they were saying, like that, he didn't put more time in, yeah, getting to the continuity or right. And a few, a few things like that could have really made this a a, a decent thing. You yeah, because yeah. visually it was amazing. It was cool, like really was, good editing too. He was flexing. His, it doesn't linger. Like I was saying before, when we were watching this. Franco films either have very minimal going on or way too much going yeah. on. So it's either like yeah, it's find that fine line. And when he finds that fine line, they're they're really good. You oh, know, yeah. and he, and he does find that. You know. Yeah, because this, this was a beautiful movie, and like the the characters were great in it. Like, yeah, it's it's shot it was, really well. Yeah. It's, it's got good locations. Like you saying, it's good acting. It looks good. It's cool visuals. When they go to the club, that club where they run the flamingo club, there's like those cool orange like windows that go by. And, oh yeah, and the scene of Benny Cardoso is really good in this. Um, I forgot to mention her. She's like the the main the main evil doctor's daughter or niece or whatever. And she runs a flamingo club, and you see her with like this light squared, and her only her hand holding the cigarette, and she's cloaked in darkness with the cigarette smoke, and it's really a nice scene. Yeah. Just visually, it's really cool. Uh, the ball headed kind of bad guy is really cool in it. The, the kind of henchman yeah. guys in it. Um, yeah. What was funny too is a lot of cool. Like it starts off with uh, you see this the hotel bishop, and I thought, well, maybe it's like a chess game because you have the bishop, you know, as one of the playing pieces. And you see this this uh, woman at the counter. And when I told Eric that the film had no nudity, and he saw the woman at the counter, he was kind of uh, kind of upset that she didn't get nude. He goes, "Oh, there's no nudity." So yes, my friend, there's no nudity. So she doesn't she doesn't show you all nature gave her. So uh, we see her at the counter, and and the guy's like scared. Somebody had packed his bags already, so he knows he's getting killed. And uh, we see this situation two or three times where the cab backs into the hotel into this little narrow yeah. kind of dry little narrow alleyway and this cab just backs into the shot and then you have to get into the car so that was kind of odd it's a because even bl- the police even they even backed in yeah they backed in that shot it's yeah. almost like a killer because in uh bloody moon he has the killer walking backwards and he does a couple things where he has people moving backwards and usually that's always associated with death i notice in a few of his films so that might be one of his common things that he does that caught my attention it was really funny um but yeah it's really funny and the um the the thing with robert redford and they don't announce and they call him that but they don't establish oh in the book they say that but they don't establish like wow you have the same name as a famous hollywood actor especially that time <laughs> current yeah, it yeah was robert current. redford was like yeah which yeah. casting sundance kid with this was 1973 you know shit, he was huge at that time yeah it was a 71 yeah big time you know um 
let's see. Uh, yeah, and I have one of my notes is Inspector Redford cut the door frame, bad editing. Okay, there's a scene where he comes in, he's talking to this woman, and from he, Franco shoots it from over his shoulder looking into her, and then from over the over the shoulder shot from her looking into him. Well, from his point of view, he has him at the door frame, and from her point of view, he's already passed the door frame into her room. And when they cut back and forth, you see him moving back and forth, yeah. and it doesn't match up. And that's the first sign that there was really bad continuity in this, because that changes from night to day shots to different times of days and things that just don't work right, you know. Um, but he has interesting choices in the film, but but this and that. Um, we get our first nudity besides pictures at 26 minutes in. Um, the rear nudity, very minimal. The club dance was on nice stage. It was, a nice, it was a nice bottom. Oh, yeah, yeah, much so. I guess it's like <laughs> when you're in the desert, you know, and, you know, you see that just even a sip of water is just great, you yeah. know. It's like that sip of water, sort of the usual waterfalls in the Franco film. Yeah, you, know? you don't have a gallon, but, it's, you know, it's cold. Yeah, it's exactly. Cold <laughs> <sip>. <laughs> um, yeah, the orange windows of the cool club light I mentioned before. Um, so Franco has a drug called Mescadrine, M-E-S-C-A-D-R-I-N-E, and uh, uh, so during the film, Eric just kind of did a little search on his phone and it came right up to just Franco films, which was kind of yeah. a cool thing. So I'll have to look and see if that was a drug that uh, Edgar Wallace made up as a fake drug or if it's something that just Franco made up. Because that is a cool name for a drug that's a totally bullshit thing that sounds logical. It doesn't sound fake or, you know, it sounds like that could be yeah, a, a real name. Yeah, it's almost like mescaline. Um Let's see. Uh, bad editing, and we got that on there. Um, Carmier, I got that. Oh, yeah. So, and also, too, one last thing I want to go before I ask Eric if he has any other thoughts on this. Franco does a thing where he uses, like, black gauze over the camera on some outside shots, and it's almost like a like a black netting that you see that kind of cuts up the, the frame, and it's, it's okay to disguise the night and day from it. It gives kind of a certain effect, but I'm not sure why he did that. Like, what's the reasoning behind that? style of shot like maybe it darkened the shot a little bit or yeah or maybe flowed better the continuity like i was thinking if it's too bright or i don't know or maybe just, just visual like it, style or, that's, that's yeah. what I was maybe you just liked it visually yeah I mean, you know but uh yeah i mean like in, in visually like i said there's a lot of interesting choices and stuff in this is there is there any thoughts you have or any yeah yeah notes uh, you'd made so yeah like we were saying like it's literally it's beautiful shot after beautiful shot like the the setups the framing everything is yeah, he's just knocking it out of the park. It's almost like he was flexing his artistic muscles. Yeah, but um, I really like the character of Pickwick, the photographer. Okay, because he he was funny. Like he he was a really funny character. Yeah. So he follows him when Barton when Barton gets caught by the the club people. Right, right. And they beat him in the stomach in a really funny scene where he right. falls. Yeah, he's right like waiting the for the camera. shot. He's po- yeah, right. yeah. So they kidnap him and they go to dump him in the in the water. Right, to dump him in the river, whatever. And so he follows him, and then they dump the body in the water, and he runs and jumps in after it. But he, but he does more than follow him. He runs and jumps on the back of their moving van. No, that was a different one. Oh, that was a different that one. That was okay, a different okay, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was later a little bit. Oh later. yeah, 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 right. That was right, later. Right, yeah, yeah. But we'll no, he, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was driving behind him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, he runs and jumps in the water, and he's like, "Help me! I can't swim! Help yeah. me! I can't swim!" And then the then the next scene has him like he's on this boat, right, with a towel around him, and like you know the, the sailors are there, whatever, and he's like. Well, you know, what about the body? You know, and they're like, oh, we didn't find it, you know. But it's just so funny. Like, he's jumping in to, to catch his body, and he can't swim, you know. 
And it's cool, too, because the body he was finding was the guy who had faked his death before. Yeah. And, of course, he was still alive because he goes on to the film. But it's kind of cool. Like, you think about just you just describing it now. He goes, I couldn't find the body. It's like kind of like how it was before. Yeah. He faked his own body and stuff, yeah. you know. But, no, I the the, the, the lead character, um, I really like that idea a lot of, like, somebody that was, like, he was addicted to this drug. And then he was, like, pissed off about all this stuff. And then shit went down. And then he faked his death to try to like come back from the dead and, or whatever not he faked his death to like go undercover and then like hunt these people down and yeah. kill them for putting out this drug like that's a cool fucking idea oh yeah absolutely but like I said like before like why would he take the time to write all these novels and shit like that like that stuff could have been taken out that made it a little leaner like, yeah I think a little less layering and stuff it's like a little less pieces of meat on the bread would have been better yeah simplify you know? the story a little bit yeah well it's also kind of funny what I liked what Pickwick said though um they asked him, like, said, well, what did you do with the buyers? And like, what did you do? He goes, I leapt into the wetness. Yeah. At least that was the English translation of what, what they, right, they right. said in German. Yeah, he said he leapt into the wetness. Well, he's also trying to be very camp and stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was, was funny. Like, I leapt into the wetness. Yeah. Uh, and also, I thought it was, it's just, I don't know, man. It's just tripping me out a little bit more and more. Um, just the, the Miranda Soledad. Um, yeah, good call. Just because, like, like, the last two films, like, this is the second film after she's passed, you know? And, um. And in this one, he speaks about uh, Barton's character or the Bennett's character, yeah, um, dying in a car crash, yeah. You know, and it's just like, wow, like this is yeah. like months after this happened. I didn't catch that until 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 you brought that up when we were watching that, and I was, and I was wondering if that was something that's in the original novel, which I'm kind of curious about this yeah. novel now and see if that was in there or if that was something Franco just put in to kind of get it out of your system, and that was still in his psyche and his brain as a writing because um, on this. Um, Let's see credits real quick. Uh, yeah, so credits directed by Franco, um, based on the novel Death Packs a Suitcase by Edgar Wallace. Adaptation and screenplay Arthur Bronner and Jess Franco. So, yeah, the producer and the director did their own adaptation of it. Oh, that's funny, too. I didn't catch that. Uh, music David Kuhn, K U N N E, compared to K H U N N E, which is, of course, Jess Franco in The Spanish Prince. They have him as the music. Which is interesting because uh, the music on the German is um, uh, Hans Kleibeck. Huh, that's interesting. But yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, that was that was it. Yeah, and then um, another thing I noticed too uh, in this one, like when the lady was, she's like, "Oh, well, meet me at the church. Meet me at the church." Yeah, good call. And uh, that's something I've noticed. Like he's through several of his films, like he has his characters. They they meet in the church to to talk about what's going on and yeah because I, I I'd always caught the cathedrals and all the cool settings in church and then Eric had brought that up about how people always meet in like the back row of a church or somewhere clandestine sitting somewhere talking and then I thought started thinking back and looking at the list of films we did and I was like yeah you're totally right man that's like a total common theme that does pop up quite a bit not in every film but yeah. say every two or three films you know every four films yeah so that 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 was interest interesting yeah I know de- definitely on that. Um, but yeah, I know it's cool on the, on this. Um, I would assume like Franco, of course he directed it. He did the adapted screenplay. Uh, camera, even though I'm curious now that we're talking about this, I kind of want to see um, what's it say on that. Assistant continuity. Camera operator, Javier Perez Zofio. Huh, so maybe that might be the guy in the back seat. Javier Perez Zofio. Um, unless... He was also camera operator on that, which he does do quite a bit. So that's that's not that. Um, 
let's see, cast, of course, um, brought up um, Fred Williams, Horace Tappert. Uh, we see um, Benny Cardoso is very cool in this. She has a cool, like, I caught she has this cool red, like, hood that she pulls over her head and this hooded dress, which is kind of a like a like a super villain type outfit, and then she wears this cool white dress that she looks really great in. And oh yeah, cool. she looks really. Well, that was great. a great scene too. When she was wearing the white dress, she gets strangled. The guy comes from. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, with with the black gloves, like yeah. the giallo, which is cool. And it was the POV, and you see yeah. her head pulled you see down. It from the killer's point of view. That's, that's really awesome. that, yeah, that was a really cool shot. And then we have, um, uh, let's see. Uh, Barbara Rudding, she was the uh, Flamingo Club hostess. Um, Siegfried Schurenberg played Dr. Blackmore, Lord Cronsdale, and he was the one that had the uh, diamonds in the briefcase in X312 yeah. in, in that one. Yep. Um, and then let's see, um, Louis Morris as Andy Pickwick, the photographer. Andy, that's funny. Uh, Barbara Rudding, Celia, Flamingo Club hostess. Sieg- okay, um... Maria Lasso is Millie, the Flamingo Clip performer. Eva Garden, Garden is Lola Redford's girlfriend. Uh, and it's a lot of cast in this. Yeah, Rainier Bastow, Sergeant McDonald. Moises Augusto Rocca Roger, the Flamingo Club bouncer. Was that the ball-headed dude? It must be. Yeah, okay. Um, and I, let me look real quick. Let me see. Go, that actually, that, now that you just mentioned all those names, it, it, yeah, that, I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he got tipped to go to the Flamingo Cub. He walks in. He meets with that girl, Millie, and she gives him a kiss. Oh, yeah. They go sit in the back room, and she gives him like this really like long kiss. That is him in the next movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's him. So he's in uh, The Vengeance of Dr. Mabuse. He plays the monster character with Benny Cardoso. So she's his henchman in, in the next film that we're going to be okay. watching. So that's cool. I was like well, I'm he's, watching he's that one. He's an interesting-looking guy, man. He is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he looks like a yeah, bad Tony Savalas. Yeah, I was telling him, when you watch this movie, you could tell that guy is the bad guy in the movie. Oh, yeah. He's... he's fucking just evil looking he's, he's really cool um, so yeah so he's in the next one okay uh, Angel uh, Menendez uh, Redford Superior that's the guy that he kept bumping into the yeah, whole he time kept... <laughs> he kept turning into him and he goes oh you said you're going to jump in the River Thames if you don't solve the case he goes we well, better buy a bathing suit today yeah. he goes I'm going to solve the case today Inspector yeah but he, yeah, the Inspector's like always standing right behind him yeah he's and bumping so he, into him anytime he turns time. around to go to leave he's like boom like bumps into him. Uh, Wolfgang Kleiling, the second victim. Then he had Dan von Hausen, the blackmailer, drug courier. Uh, Guillermo Mendez, Mr. Woods' first victim. Jess Franco, Mr. Gonzalez, the knife specialist. And then we have um, Andres Manales Patakis, also known as Punko, the knife thrower, who was um, <laughs> sold out Miranda's boyfriend, and she killed an I mean, in um, Nightmares Come at Night. And then he's also in um, Eugenie as the trumpet player in that as well, which was cool to see him in, in that um, this film. Um, and then we have Benny Cardoso, of course, is Diana Cronsdale's niece. Okay, it's his niece. Mm-hmm. He's a cool heel in this. Um, Emilio Lazario, the hotel porter. And Carl Heinz Machkin, the dispected, speckled diner at a restaurant. Um, yeah, I don't know. I pretty much agree with everything we've said. Really cool angles. Really cool story. I mean, there's a lot of things that don't make sense, and I'm sure if you watch it two, three times, things gel a little better. Um, we watched the German copy of this uh, from the DVD, um, which which was a good good copy. Good colors and everything on it. Um, I don't know. I don't really don't have any really final uh, ideas on the film before we... We wrap this up. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really have anything. Yeah, what to yeah. say? Like, you, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it, it's cool. I mean, uh, he was doing a lot of different stuff after Soldat died, and this is a cool, uh, creamy, you know, crime 
Edgar Wallace detective type movie, and it's it's cool. A lot of cool bad guys, cool angles, cool stuff to it. It's definitely check it out if you're a Franco completist. Uh, it's definitely not 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 a waste of time. It's it's definitely like a good type of movie, and um, all that good stuff. So and uh, so we'll go ahead and hit the plugs here. Uh, if you want to find us, you can get us at uh, Franco Observer at yahoo.com. And speaking of Franco Observer at yahoo.com. I uh, got a really cool email uh, on the day we recorded this from a Mr. Roger Leatherwood who uh, wrote to me and wrote to the show about uh, the podcast on the other side of the mirror and we uh, sent me some cool correspondence and I returned his correspondence about the other side of the mirror and he digs the show and digged the episode and uh, talked a little bit about that. So thank you for reaching out to us, uh, Roger. Hope you dig the show, and uh, thanks for the kind words. And uh, have also had people reaching out to us on the Facebook page. You can get a hold of us at Facebook or at Instagram on the Franco Observer Podcast. And, of course, uh, please download the episode. It increases our numbers and our audience. Um, you can rate and share on your favorite radio listening platform. Uh, we had, um, on the day we recorded this, uh, we released, I think it was like episode 26, and we had like a record-breaking number. We had like double, almost triple our usual uh, downloads, so thank you all for yeah, that. Thank you, thank you. That was fucking awesome. So that was a really cool thing. Like, wow, each month the numbers are better than the previous month, so that tells me people are liking the show, people are liking the show, and thank you. Keep listening. We'll keep putting them out um, at least weekly, maybe even twice on uh, I always try to do one one episode a week, and then a, and then a bonus one a month. So you get at least five episodes a month. I try to do it at the very least. So um, and we'll try to keep it that way for a while. Uh, let's see what else. Um, I think that's it. Got the plugs in for the website, uh, Facebook page, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, anything else? No, that's it. All right. Beautiful nights. Uh, mediocre days. <laughs>